Hey, didn't Mike do a fantastic job? Yeah. I'm being facetious right now. Mike did do a fantastic job. See, I'm old school. I need, look, I need stuff. And this is, we'll hope this stays here, but I got more stuff too. I'm a throwback to somewhere where they had pulpits that they would come behind and get the anointing and then flow out from it and then go. Does this work? Yes, I don't know if I did that or not, but good morning. We're talking about commitment today. Let's try this. Let's try this. I got a quick little story for you um, about commitment. So some of you may have seen this uh, photo floating around on Facebook a few weeks back. If my brothers that are, that are here with me carrying that commitment, could you, could you stand up, James? Kevin, could, can you stand up, please? You can't see Aubrey in the back, but we all have this same mustard colored pants and light blue shirt. There's Aubrey right there. You guys can sit down. So this outfit symbolizes commitment to me. So let me tell you guys about this, this little story. So uh, a few weeks back, we took a little trip to Chattanooga, those beautiful couples up there. And uh, we had this idea, April had this idea that we we're going to do a dirt cheap date night. Does everybody know of the store dirt cheap? Okay, Dirt Cheap is phenomenal, okay? And so here was the challenge. You've got 30 minutes and $15 to buy your spouse an outfit that they don't know, and then whatever you pick out for them, they have to wear. And so it's top secret. Girls over here, the guys are over here in an absolute panic. Have you ever tried to buy something in 30 minutes for your wife to wear to dinner, right? Give me a day and 200, I may pull it off. And then come back and she's like, that's not my size. And you're like, I tried. Right? But we've got 30 minutes and $15 to pick out an outfit for our wives to wear to dinner in Chattanooga, right? And you can barely see them up there in the corner, but the guys really pulled it off. Our wives looked fantastic, okay? And so uh, collectively, uh, all of our guys, even in the panic, we got outfits for our wives. Well, we honored our commitment. We kept it below $15, and we were done in 30 minutes. I will say this, go on record, the wives needed three extra minutes. First commitment broken right there, okay? <laughs> okay, you committed to 30, not 33. So then they get up to the register, and they're all being all secretive and everything, and we knew something was up immediately, but you don't know the outfit until you get back to, to the B&B we was at. So we get back, and all the spouses go in their rooms, and they bring in the outfit. I was like, yeah. Mustard pants must not been a lot to choose from. <laughs> and then, uh, and then we all come out. Me and James and Aubrey come out of our rooms, and we're all like, "Oh my God! Look at you! You got the same thing on. Oh, this is great, right? What are they doing to us, right?" And then second commitment that was broken, Kevin comes out with his sport coat on that Sherry snuck from the girls, broke that commitment, right? Then went way over $15, broke that commitment, right? And now Kevin comes out as the de facto leader of our boy band, <laughs> being the only guy with a sport coat on while everybody else is wearing the mustard pants and blue shirt, okay? So, but we honored our commitment to our wives and we said, you know what, we'll rock this. And so we took album cover photos 
on the bridge in Chattanooga. Uh, we we uh, let everybody know as we passed downtown that did their head turns. Hey, these husbands honor their commitments to their wives. No matter what they throw at us, we're going to walk this out. So uh, this outfit is a testimony to this sermon of keeping your commitments. Amen? Yeah. It's really not. I just wanted to wear this and make them wear it too. <laughs> Uh, when am I going to get a chance to do this again? Come on, right? Really? So uh, if you would, uh, stand with me, and we're going to uh, read our verse and say our prayer, and we're going to get into this word this morning. Are we ready? Here we go. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask that our hearts would be open to an encounter with you as we, as we expand and as we unpack this great verse that you have for us. Jesus, we thank you uh, for who you are in our lives. We ask that we be changed and transformed uh, from the inside out uh, to bring glory to you and to uh, uh, shine the light on the kingdom as we walk it out here in Smyrna, Tennessee and wherever our, our feet tread, Lord. And I pray that you would bless the listeners today, Lord God, and that they would be encouraged by your words and not just mine, Lord. We love you and we thank you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen and amen. You can be seated. So, so Jesus, as he, all, uh, uh, as he often did during this sermon, this is part of his Sermon on the Mount, he would say one thing. He said, you have heard this, 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 but I'm going to take it to the next level. And so the basis for these two verses, I mean, basis for this verse or this passage comes out of two Old Testament verses, okay? Uh, the first is Leviticus 19, 12 that says, you shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. And the second context for this verse comes out of Deuteronomy that says, if you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay fulfilling it. For the Lord your God will surely require it if you, and you will be guilty of sin. So Jesus is saying, hey, I know you've heard this, but let me take it a step further. And isn't that just like Jesus to always say, let's go a little bit deeper. Let's go a little bit deeper than just the surface. And he, um, he showed us this earlier in the chapter. If you go back and read chapter 5, he showed us this earlier when he made the statement that unless your righteousness is greater than the Pharisees, you won't enter the kingdom of God. Now, can you imagine if somebody told you that? Unless you're more righteous than somebody who practices full-time righteousness, you won't get into the kingdom. I'd be like, well, what? What chance do I have, right? This is what they do for a living. They wake up and they do law. That's it. Walk around, keeping the commandments, all of them. And unless your righteousness is greater than that, you won't enter the kingdom. But as I've often shared, Jesus is, is comparing it like this. What if righteousness is a river, okay? And, it's a, and, and the righteousness of the Pharisees is a mile wide, but it's only an inch deep. 
And Jesus is not talking about your righteousness being this way, but he's talking about it being this way. Let's go deeper. Let's go deeper with God. So what he's saying is, you've heard this, but let's go to the next level. Let's take it deeper. Let's take it deeper. So the Jews, they use their ingenuity to classify various oaths. And they generally discounted the oaths that did not mention God specifically. So that's how they would say one oath is better than the other. If you swear by Jerusalem, or if you swear by the throne of God, or if you swear by heaven, or if you swear by earth. So if you took, a, if you said, if you made a commitment or a promise to somebody, unless you stamped, I swear to God on it, it was like usually discounted. But Jesus says, by adding oaths to our statement, by saying, I swear or I promise, we either admit that our ordinary speech can't be trusted or else we lower ourselves to the world's standards. So when I say, look, I promise, I promise you, I'm, I'm telling the truth, I swear, right? Basically what I'm saying is all the other stuff that I don't swear on, you may or may not believe what I'm saying. James, your ordinary speech cannot be trusted unless you swear, okay? Then Jesus goes on in that verse to say, Simply say yes or no. Anything else comes from evil. Not that, not that it is evil, but when you start making promises that you may or may not be able to keep, when you start making commitments that you cannot follow through with, that's when you get in trouble. In, in layman's terms, when you start making those commitments you, you can't keep, that's where you get in trouble. So he says simply Yes or no? Mean what you say and say what you mean. Mean what you say, say what you mean. Saying yes commits us to a cause or purpose or idea. When I say yes to something, I am now committed to that cause or that purpose or that idea. And I'll give you the definition of the word commitment. The word commitment is the state or quality of being dedicated to a cause or activity. Why is this important though? Why is, why is being dedicated to a cause or an activity or to a person important? Because Jesus wants us to take our commitments seriously in the kingdom. He doesn't want a flippant yes or a flippant no. He wants us to take it seriously. And, and part, of, part of where we get in trouble is the way that we approach one another in regards to yes and no. I think it's much easier for most of us to say yes than it is no. How many of you would say it's easier for me to say yes just flippantly than it is to say no to something? Anybody? Am I the only one? Right? <laughs> okay. But most of us are overcommitted because we lack a proper understanding of what Jesus is trying to say in this verse. But when we dig in, when we dig into this verse, right? When we dig into this verse, we find that there is, it's not just about the yes. There is, there is a very important two-letter word that I find has become one of the biggest and hardest things for me to say in my life. No. Do you guys realize that no is anointed too? How many of you know that no is anointed? 
Can be exactly right. It can be. If Jesus said, if Jesus would have said, look, try to find a way to say yes to stuff. And if you have to, say no. He didn't say, he didn't say that. He didn't say, look, try, try to do it so you can make your wife happy, right? Or try to make that guy that says this, try to do it for them, right? But if you can't, then no is acceptable too. He didn't say that. He said, look, don't swear, don't swear by Jerusalem, don't swear by heaven, you ain't got no power there, don't even swear by your head because you're still swearing by heaven because he has the authority and the power of your life anyway. Just say yes or say no to whatever it is. When we overcommit ourselves, when I'm constantly finding I'm saying yes to stuff and yes to stuff because I don't want to offend somebody, Anybody worried about offending somebody? And so yes just becomes the default. Or here's another one in our speech. And I find that the reason that we get in trouble is because of our tongue. Uh, it, maybe it's just me. I don't know. But what about when you say this? When somebody says, hey, man, can you make it to the birthday party this weekend? And you say, I'll try. That's a lie. You're going to try? What is, in the words of Yoda, to quote Yoda in my message this morning, did it for you, babe. Look, uh, do or do not. There is no try. <laughs> you either do or you don't. You ain't going to try to make it to the birthday party, right? What if we change the way we talk to one another? Do you think that that would change the way that we say yes and no? What if I said, I intend to be there, but I can't commit to it? Would there be freedom for you that if you didn't show up to the birthday party, you didn't commit yourself to attempting to go to the birthday party when you knew good and well that you weren't going to go to the birthday party? And next time somebody asks you, hey, man, can you come to the birthday party? I want you to think about it before you say, I try. Watch, it's going to come up. You're going to see me in this blue shirt and mustard pants saying, come on, you're going to try. You're really going to try. You're really going to try. All right, Grinch, just like, you going to try, Kevin? Okay. Are you going to be there? When we overcommit, there's pressure to produce or perform that usually robs us of peace. When I say yes to stuff that I know I shouldn't have been saying yes to, or I just flippantly say yes, now there's pressure on me because I've given somebody what? My word. My word. Word used to mean something. There used to be, you could sell a plot of land on a handshake. And now people are looking for loopholes and contracts that they signed to get out of stuff. And your word used to mean something. Somebody told you they was going to be there at 3 o'clock, 301, you're like, something bad must have happened to them. They must have gotten a car wreck because it's 301 and they ain't here. And James told me he's going to be here. Right? Something bad must have, because word, your word mattered. When you said, yes, brother, I'll do it. They knew it. Or if you said no, it wasn't changing nobody's mind. You ain't going to talk them into it, ladies. <laughs> I have spoken. <laughs> that's, that's generally not how it happens in my life or life of most husbands. We like to think it does, but it, but it really doesn't. It really doesn't. Right? But it's not just about saying no. It's not just about to saying no. We need to allow others the freedom to say no and be okay with it. We need to allow people to say no to us. And part of the way that we do that we don't do that is, again, by the way that we talk. 
There's something that uh, I've noticed over the last several years uh, that we do as people, and we don't even realize we're doing it. It's emotional manipulation. Emotional manipulation. We don't even know what we're doing. I'm not saying you're all running around looking who you man- manipulate. Okay, that's not what I'm saying, but we do it, and I'm going to give you the perfect example. Here's the most manipulative question in the history of questions. Y'all ready for this? What are you doing this weekend? <laughs> so loaded, you're immediately like, what's that mean? What's that? Because now you know what comes next, right? You're, you're backed into a corner. You're backed into a corner, right? Because if I say nothing, then what comes behind that? What's he going to say, right? Or if I say I got this, I feel like I may let him down. Some of us will make stuff up, man. Uh, I got to check the specs on the uh, oil filter. I think they gave me the wrong oil filter uh, last time I was at the park. I got to check the specs. I'm going to run a diagnostic on it. I'm going to put it on a something or another. And uh, I, what about you, man? Right? We, what? Hey, man, what are you doing this weekend? Nothing. I ain't got nothing going on, man. Can you help me move? Right? Now, now, here I am. Look, now I am. I'm faced with a decision, right? I know there's a need. I know there's an obvious need because he asked. I've done told him I'm doing nothing this weekend. But we don't realize nothing is something when you are married with children and you have a bunch of commitments and responsibilities. You can say, no, I just told you I was doing nothing. Like, I'm not helping nobody do nothing. But we don't do that, do we? We don't do that. We hear the need. We hear now there's a need. And we be like, I'll try. I'll try. I'll try to help if I can, right? What are you doing this week? Think about it like this. What if we, what if we change the way that we phrase and we talk to people to where we, they felt like when we asked them questions that they have freedom to walk in this verse? What if, what if instead of what are you doing this weekend, whatever the response ends up being, hey, can you help me move? Right, and there's this, you, you can't explain it, but you guys know what I'm talking about. There's this like little internal, ah, ah. What, if, what, if we, what if we presented it to one another like this? Hey man, I'm moving this weekend. If you're waiting that late, you're not, come on, don't, I can't, you know. Uh, I'm moving next month, okay, this is better. I'm moving next month, and if you're available, I'd really love to have your help. Then you give them freedom to say, you know what? I am available, and I can help fulfill that need. Or, no, I've got another commitment to something else that I need to honor. I cannot help you move. But the way that we present it is, hey, brother, I have a need, but if you can't help, that's okay, too, because I understand that no is anointed as well. And when I understand that it's okay to say no to other people, then I can begin to phrase things to where they have the freedom to say no as well, and it be okay. So if we can learn to talk to one another in such a way that we give each other that freedom, I think a lot, a lot of us will not find ourselves overcommitted. Because when we're overcommitted, again, that produces pressure to perform or produce and usually robs us of our peace. Second point I want to make today, okay? Just because you can do something does not mean we are supposed to. I was talking with a brother this week, and this come up, and I slid right off the table and out into the floor when he said that. 
Because there are so many times in my life that I do this ordinary, everyday scenarios that just because I can do something does not mean I am supposed to or I am called to do that. And in in regards to our commitments, just because you can commit to something does not mean you're supposed to. Let me give you a perfect real-life scenario, real-world scenario. You're in a small group. There's five or six of y'all, and there's a leader asking questions. And you know the answer to every one of the questions. God has given you something for every scenario. Do you think that just because you can answer those questions, you're supposed to answer all the questions? Some people do, and I struggle with that. Yeah, well, I got that. You know, I know that, right? Just because we can answer them does not mean we're the answer. Just because you can go help that person move doesn't mean you're necessarily supposed to. We feel like that we have the ability to do so many things, and God has gifted all of us each in different areas, right? And some of us in multiple areas. I, James can sing and dance and, and do things and, that I can't, right? But just because he can do all those things does not mean that he's supposed to commit to all those things. Are you, are you picking up what I'm putting down? Okay? God, God doesn't want us always so stretched out with all these commitments that we can't do what's important or what we're supposed to be doing. Because the more I commit to things I can do, the less room and the less time I have for the things I'm supposed to do. And the same is true for each and every one of us. I don't think we have a problem saying yes. I feel like a lot of us have a problem saying no and being okay with it. When we begin to think about this in context of the kingdom, when we prioritize things and we look down on our list and you say, well, I got God and then I got my wife and then I got my family and then I got Tennessee football, but I'm putting them way down here now because they'd be upsetting me all the time, right? (laughs) Every year, man, I don't know why I drink the Kool-Aid. I'm like, yeah, this is our year. Been our year since I was born, right? Uh, but then you got your works and you got all of these things, right? And we're, and we're supposed to filter everything through the kingdom, right? We, Pastor Kevin brought a message and said, am I, am I a, a, a Christian this or am I a Christian that or am I a Christian this or am I an American Christian, right? Does everything in my life flow from the kingdom down into it? Remember when Aaron was anointed, the oil flowed down his beard from the top down. And so everything should flow from the top down. But the problem is I start making all of these commitments to things that I can do. And then there is no time for the things I'm supposed to do. How many of you have made a commitment to a job and it has cost you time with your wife and children? Because you can do this job, it's sacrificing things you're supposed to be doing. And this is not an attack on anybody that's had to have a job like that. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying it like that. What I'm saying is we, we can all plug and play those scenarios in our life. Okay? But when we commit to things that we can do, it robs us of being able to do what we're supposed to do. Just because I can doesn't mean I should. And finally, finally, in talking about our commitments, our commitment reminds us of the call or the mission despite how we feel or what we want to do. 
And this is why we can't say yes to everything and everyone. I want you to think of at least one major accomplishment in your life. Think about it right now. Think about it. One thing, one major, like for me, it was my high school diploma, okay? Uh, I, I was in high school for five years. I redshirted my sophomore year. Um, my wife tells me you can't redshirt in high school. But I did. I was in five years of high school, okay? Uh, I got a half a credit my sophomore year, called that my red shirt, okay? Um, so it was a big deal my senior year when I'm graduating with my little sister, right? Uh, that, that I do this, that I get this diploma, that I fulfill this, right? But I, so has everybody got in your mind that major, one major accomplishment that you've done, right? One thing you're proud of. What was your commitment level when you started? What was your commitment level when you started? All right? All right. Has anybody made a New Year's resolution to go to Planet Fitness or Gold's Gym? <laughs> January 2, you're geeked up. You done bought all the gear on Amazon. You got the Fitbit. You got the little thing to hold your iPhone or your shoulder. When you jog around the neighborhood, you got all these plans. You done went to public, spent $400 on organic every... You know what I'm talking about, right? Right? Got the little shorts with the longer shorts underneath them. I ain't like, you know exactly what I'm talking about. January 2, Amazon loves us. Loves us. They're like, yeah, yes. Again, again, Planet Fitness stock goes through the roof. Right? We make that commitment. I'm doing it. This is my year. You're, you're jazzed up, right? And then what happens? Right? Time. Time happens. And it's cold, and I ain't running at 6 o'clock in the morning. Maybe I'll run in the afternoon after work. Then you have a long day at work. You'll be like, I sure ain't going to the gym today. It's been a long, super long day, man. Kids stressing me out. You know what I'm talking This is real-life scenarios, right? Everybody, a lot of us have done that. I'm going to say everybody. Some of them, you have this high level of commitment. You have this high level of, of commitment, right? And then things happen, and you wane off. Somewhere along the way, you want to quit, right? What about when it gets hard? What about after that first workout and your muscles are screaming? Are you trying to go up the stairs and you're like, whoo, it's going to rest right here for a minute. <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about, right? There is adversity. There is opposition. There is pain that comes against us. When we say yes to God, there is no doubt an enemy and there is pain and there are trials that come against us. It comes against us. And our commitment to the kingdom reminds us of our commitments to the cause. So when you say yes, it means something. And when you feel like you want to quit, your commitment reminds you of why you started. It reminds you of the mission. It reminds you of the call. It reminds you of the person. I've been going through Acts for the last couple of weeks. And man, I, if I was Paul, I'd have quit. When they threw rocks at me for no reason, I'd have quit. When I come, I come to a place, like I'm a Roman citizen, and y'all going to whip me on my back, and you tore my favorite robe to do it. I'd have quit. All that opposition, and then there's division in the church, and then there's people that don't trust him. How many of you have, have been hurt by somebody that said they was a, a, a church folk or a friend or you feel like you've been treated wrong for no reason? And so you ever been locked up and thrown into prison for nothing? No. 
But a lot of us take these little entreatments, uh, mistreatments and injustices, and we let, them, we let them break our spirit, and we feel like we want to quit. Sometimes the battle's going to be intense. Sometimes the battle's going to get thick. You're going to be like Paul when he said, having done all to stand, just stand. Sometimes you just got to stand, right? Most of the time I find I got to take a knee. But your commitment reminds you of why you said yes in the beginning. And I'm not talking about your commitment to Planet Fitness. I'm talking about your commitment to the kingdom. When you said yes to God, if it was just about us getting to heaven, I said, Lord, I'm yours. Forgive me of all my sin. He'd be like, boom, you're coming with me. But he didn't. He left me here. And that's for a reason. If it was just about getting to the other side, then there would be no progressive sanctification. There wouldn't be that day by day of walking it out. And when I face adversity and when there's pain and when I feel like I want to quit, he reminds me, hey, you committed. You committed. You gave me your yes. You didn't have to swear by nothing. You gave me your yes. And so as I'm walking along this way, because I've said yes to the kingdom, because I've said yes to the Lord when things come my way and it's going to pull me away. And it's and it's sometimes it's good things. Sometimes it's the enemy. But there, there's all these opportunities to say yes to something else. And God says, hey, you ain't got to do that. But God, I'm the only one he has. No, you're not. God, they ain't got nobody else. Yes, they do. I'll bring what they need when they need it. It ain't always you. You ain't always the answer for somebody. You ain't always the answer for somebody. If we will listen to the voice of the Lord, he will, he will lead us and guide us to know when to say yes and when to say no because everything filters through my first yes. It has to filter through my first yes. If don't, I'll be jacked up. I'll be, I'll be at Planet Fitness, then I'm going to quit. Then I'm going to go to Gold's Gym. Anybody ever have a Hollywood video card, a Blockbuster card, a Smyrna video card, right? And you forgot to rewind, and so they charge you a dollar. Anybody can forget you? I'm going over here. Movie gallery, here I come. And you're signing up for something new. Go back and pay your dollar, you old Blockbuster, okay? Some of y'all are praising the Lord that went out of business, right? <laughs> had a big debt you could not pay, but God, but God, but God. God don't want us to get stretched out, guys. He doesn't want us to be stretched so thin, razor thin, that any, the slightest little thing will come and just cut and fray the fabric of our connectivity with him. He wants us to filter everything through our first yes so that we are better equipped to say yes and say no. You don't need anything else than that. Amen?